Welcome to Gateway Church Wirral Online. We're so delighted that you're with us this morning. So great that you can be a part of our live streamed gathering. Just to welcome you to this space and what we're all about. Um, to say that we as a church, we're all about seeing people meet with God, encounter him for all his goodness and his grace and for lives to be changed by him. As a church, we want to see a world transformed, made better and better through every life transformed by the grace of God. So our hope and our prayer for you today, meet with Jesus in the things that we're saying, in the things that we're singing, in the way that we're opening up the word of God, which is alive for us today. We want you to know Jesus, know that he loves you, know that he has a plan for your life. And as we're going through our gathering this morning, do please connect with us here in this live stream space. You can fill in our connection card. The tab, I think, is at the top of your screen. Request prayer if you'd like to. There are great, friendly people who would love to pray with you. And do just connect with us in any and every way that you'd love to. As a church, we gather. That's what we're about today. When we come to the close of our gathering, I'll tell you how you can connect with us going forward into the week. So have a really great time. Be blessed. Enjoy yourself and enjoy Jesus, we pray. Good morning, church. Good morning, Gateway Church Wirral. Um, it is a, a delight to see those of you who are here in the building. I know folks are still arriving. Great to be with you online as well. Um, do please engage you know, in both these environments. Here in the church, though it may be different, online as well. Why don't you chat, encourage one another. Let's pray together. We're going to worship together. It's our last Sunday in 2020. Is, is anybody done with 2020? You want to move on to 2020? Yeah, I'm sure we do. But as we were praying before, we were recognizing this is not just another Sunday. It's not an in-between whatever kind of a Sunday. This is a precious moment, isn't it? And it's an opportunity for us to know that God is with us. And so we're concluding this morning um, our series looking at the story of God. We're going to consider what it is to know that creation is restored. And, um, and, and that is a, a true and a precious and a wonderful promise for us. Um, just to let you know, when we do head into the new year, on uh, Sunday the 10th, um, we're going to be beginning um, a new series called The Wellbeing Journey. And uh, we're going to see how God um, can, can enable us. It's his desire for us. John 10, 10 tells us that, that we can have life in all its fullness. And so we want to know about spiritual well-being, about physical well-being, emotional well-being, and all these wonderful things. It's going to be great for us as the body of Christ. I would encourage you, invite people to join you. Can you do that? Um, whether it's here in the building or super easy invitation possibility, invite them to check it out online. Um, they don't even have to come here um, and invite people to come along um, and to be a part of what we're doing and what we're seeing um, by God's grace. We have had a wonderfully blessed Christmas as a church and I hope um, that you've had a greatly blessed Christmas as you've known God's grace in your lives. Um, a huge thank you to everybody who's been a part of what we've been doing under the banner of Love Christmas. Um, for those of you who been giving, and you can still give through this last week um, to the end of the year. But just to let you know a few of the things that we've been able to do with various partners, we and many of you have been part of this. We've packed well over a hundred food hampers to resource families. Yeah, I think that's worth a woo, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, well over a hundred food hampers to resource families through the Christmas holiday season. We're going to be doing something similar um, in February, and Grace says she wants to do twice as much. It's a, 
well, you said it now, Grace. I'm sorry. Um, but we, we were so blessed to be able to distribute those hampers to people and, um, and to lots of people that we didn't expect, um, as well as various folks have become uh, known to us, and we've been blessing them as well. We've been so blessed to be able to um, have loads of baked goodies and personalized cards go over to our care home um, at Orton House to bless them and to let them know that we, we haven't forgotten about them. We love them, and we care for them deeply. And I want to let you know this morning uh, that for those of you who are giving to our Love Christmas appeal, that we're going to be doing something really special for Orton House, for the care home over there. Um, in chatting with Vicky Fisher, who heads up the home, we're going to be installing a home cinema um, in the care home. There's going to be a screen and a projector, a surround sound system, um, even a popcorn machine. You know, when COVID is lifted, you're all going to want to be invited, aren't you, uh, for cinema nights at Orton House. But that's because of your giving, we want to bless them. And so I would encourage you, be a part of what is going on. Be a part of what your church is doing. We are believing as a church for incredible things in the year to come. Is anybody, is anybody there? You know, you might have forgotten how to do these things, but you're allowed to say amen in church. I know there are lots of things that we're not allowed to do. I hope there's lots of amens on the, on the chat. I shall be checking uh, later. Um, let's, let's join together, hand and heart, spirit. Let's join with our prayers. You know, as the year turns, I know a number of our transformed communities are planning parties on New Year's Eve online via Zoom, and, and they're going to be praying as well um, through the night, and I would encourage you to engage with those things. When we get into the new year, Thursday the 7th, we'll let you know more about it, but Elam, our church movement nationally, is planning a national day of prayer as we move into the new year. We want to soak everything that we're doing and hearing from God and engaging in, in prayer, don't we? So come on, let's stand together. And if you're at home, why don't you stand as well? It'll do you really good. And we're going to pray. We're going to praise. We're going to enjoy what God is doing here and through us in his world. Come on, church. Let's lift our hands to God and we'll pray together. Why don't you offer him your prayers, your hopes, your dreams, your longings, your needs. Let's offer them to God and we'll trust and believe he is as good as his word. He is the God of promise. He is the God of hope. And Jesus, we worship you this morning. We praise you. We honor you. Lord God, we want to make it personal and say that we adore you. We love you because you are so good and you are good to us. You have come to our world and you have come to us. Christ Jesus, we praise you that you have been born. And we praise you, Jesus, for those of us who are in you. Yes, we have been born again. Jesus, you have been born in us. Christ, you are in us. You are the hope of glory. We thank you that every drop of hope that is placed in you cannot disappoint. Lord Jesus Christ, the hope that we place in you, it is coming to its fullness. Everything that we trust in you, all of your promise will be fulfilled. And so Jesus Christ, we again place our lives in your hands. We, Lord Jesus, surrender ourselves, this church, into your hands. Lord God, we want to place our loved ones in your hands, Lord Jesus. We want to speak, Lord God, their new life in you, Lord Jesus. For those who don't yet know you, Lord God, our neighbors, our friends, our colleagues, Lord Jesus, we're saying, Lord God, the day is coming. It is, it's now here, Lord Jesus, by faith. Today will be the day of salvation, Lord Jesus. 
Lord God, we're longing for all of these things. We're looking for all of these things. We're eagerly anticipating these things. As we worship you, God, we know we are worshiping the God of all these things. And more. More than we could ask for. Even imagine. It is all in you. And so we praise you, King Jesus. Be glorified today. Amen. 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 Good morning. How are we today? Are we good? I have no idea where to put this up. Do we have a lovely Christmas? Did you get your lovely presents? Is anybody wearing their presents this morning? Oh, did you get some gloves for Christmas, Abel? Oh, be honest. Oh, beautiful. Okay, kids, did you get everything that you asked Santa for? You didn't get cold, did you? No. Excellent. Okay, then. This morning. We are going back to the story of God. And I want us to think about the fact that we are all created. Newsflash, if you didn't know. Who created us? God. No atheists in the building this morning. God created us, didn't he? We have been shaped and formed, created in love, for love, through love. All about love. We were created by God. And I want us to imagine... That, that we were a bit like this when we were created, a bit like this piece of paper. Okay, this represents us and God together. That's the way that we were created, the way that God meant us to be, us and God together, forever, in love, for love, through love, together, us and God. But as we all know, things went a little, a little bit wrong. I'm going to clip in. Oh. Okay. Because... God lets us make our own, our own choices and our own decisions. And really, when we make our own decisions, we don't always make the best ones, do we? We've spoken about that before. I feel like I keep harping on about it, but we, do, we don't make the best decisions. So, things went a little bit wrong. And we, we keep making wrong decisions. And that wasn't the way that God intended us to be. So, instead of always being together with God, what happened? is that we ended up being separated from God. God's over here, we're over there. We're separated from God because of the things that we're done. And we might try and do good things and be nice to each other and say good things and memorize our Bible and say loads and loads of prayers and we try and get close. But we still, we can't do it through our own works and through our own efforts. We can't bring ourselves back together with God. We, we couldn't do it. We still can't do it. Not through our own efforts. But so God sent somebody instead who could repair our relationship with God, our broken relationship. We are so separated. God sent somebody to fix that. Who did he send? He sent Jesus. Definitely no atheist this morning. He sent Jesus, didn't he, to repair that. And, he, and Jesus sort of brought in this little twist. So now, now we're all twisted up, okay? This is us now. And Jesus sacrificed himself, didn't he? paid the debt for our sins. And hallelujah, he rose again. But then, and then he went up to heaven, didn't he? But one day, what's going to happen? He's going to come back. Amen. But what Jesus did was so important because it meant that now our relationship with God was fixed beyond ever being broken again. We are back, restored to our Father. And when he comes again, it means that we'll go up to 
heaven and we'll be with our Father forever. So even after we die, if you've put your faith in Jesus and you've declared that he is Lord of your life, look, we're all tangled up. We can never again be separated. Even after we die, we will never again be separated. Our relationship has been restored and we can never be separated from God ever again. Amen. Thank you. Thank you very much, Grace. Is anyone here glad this morning that their relationship with God can never be broken? Is anybody glad of that? Does anybody know that even when a hundred and one, a thousand, one, a million and one other things in our lives seem to be broken, that that never is? That that never is. Um, Because of his shed blood, uh, because of his uh, sacrifice, because of his resurrection power, because of his work in our lives, even every day. You know, the Holy Spirit has been working in your life through 2020. Does anybody know that? You know, the defining characteristic of this year has not been COVID. Um, If you're in Christ, the defining characteristic of the year is the work of the Holy Spirit. Oh, you're not convinced. (laughs) We we fall into the trap all, all too often, don't we, of thinking that it is the circumstances around about us or the way in which we're kind of, you know, perceiving them, sensing them, feeling about these things that defines who we are and how we are within the world. It's not true. It's not true. What actually defines who you are is the fact that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Yeah? Turn to the people who are in your household or bubble and tell them that, house, that Christ is in them. Could you do that? Because I think sometimes we need a reminding of it. And, and, and let me say that to anybody else who, you know, perhaps you're not here with a household or online. Christ, if Christ is in you, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, Christ is in you. He is the hope of glory. He's the defining factor of your life. And the Holy Spirit has sealed and guaranteed you until the day of his coming. He is at work within your life. He is doing incredible things. We want to be exploring and enjoying those things. I've mentioned already that in the new year, starting on the 10th of January, uh, we've got something called the well-being journey. And we want to explore what the fullness of life in Christ looks like. Again, I would urge you, invite people. It's going to be interesting. I think there's a lot of people in our world who are feeling like their lives are somewhat depleted. Does anybody know what the answer is? Grace mentioned it already. It's Jesus. Yes, okay. Um, we're, on, we're on to this. Jesus is the answer. So come on, get your head out of the sand and, and tell somebody near you. Uh, tell somebody in your world, Jesus is their hope. And very practically, very really, he is their hope, just as he is our hope. We want to know these things, explore these things. Today, we're, we're coming in really to, to conclude, to land our journey through what we've um, known as the story of God. And Sunday by Sunday, and then in our transformed communities with wonderful resources from from the Saturate movement, we've been exploring what the story of God is, that events are not random. That's what we were talking about at Christmas, that God actually has purpose. He is telling a story, a story of his perfect creation, a story that we, humanity, have brought the the worst possible twist into through our sin. And yet, and yet, the story wasn't finished. The hero was coming. Jesus. 
And he's come to seek and to save the lost. He's come to buy us out of slavery to sin. He's come to make us new. And he is, as we'll see today, restoring all things. Now sometimes, and there's, look, there's nothing wrong with, with feelings. Feelings are the most beautiful servants that God gives us. But uh, they're not always the determining factor of, of what is true or not. And you know, sometimes we don't feel like we're being restored. <laughs> there is a genuine sense where sometimes we feel like we are still kind of decaying. And, um, uh, you know, it's okay because Jesus is coming. It's all right. Uh, but, but God is ultimately, beautifully, in you and in all his creation, submitted to him. He is doing a work of restoration. He's making all things new. You know, Grace mentioned that even when we die, uh, we are not lost. No, we will go to be with God. And there is a day coming of resurrection. You know, we go to be with God, but then there's a powerful sense whereby God comes to be with his people. It's going to be a new heaven, a new earth. And we'll always be united, one and together. I thought that was better news than that. I hope you're excited at home. They're a little bit cold in here, I think. Uh, they need to maybe do some star jumps or something, warm up a little bit. Um, look, last time when we looked at the story of God, just before Christmas, we looked at Jesus' disciples in the early church. And I think you'll agree with me, they were pretty excited. Are they pretty excited? <laughs> you're going to make life hard for me here. I'm assuming you're excited at home. They're miserable in here. Um, but the, the people of God were excited by the things that Jesus had done, by the new life that was theirs. And we saw how they lived lives of prayer. They shared everything that they had. They sold things they had so that they could fund and expand the mission of God. They ate together. They preached. They gave to the work. They sacrificed. They learned from the apostles and the leaders within the church. They personally studied the word and embraced it. They celebrated communion, the gift of, of life in Jesus. And they lived lives of service together. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? I tell you what, it's, it's better than that because it's not just a picture. It's a, it's a lived reality. It's a promise, a possibility. You know, should we only live it? Should we only give ourselves? To give ourselves, to go beyond ourselves, to, to give ourselves one to another in the fullness of the Spirit. You see, this is what Jesus came into our world to inaugurate. Jesus didn't just come so that he could live on in a thousand nativity scenes on people's mantelpieces. That wouldn't be much of a mission. You know, Jesus didn't actually come just so that folks could gather in church buildings and sing or, or, or not sing, as the case may be. It's a good thing to gather. I'm glad that some of you are here. I'm glad so many more are online. I'm glad we are gathering and, and valuing these things. But, but Jesus had a, something bigger and better and grander and greater in mind. Did you know that? Jesus came to bring God's right and good and perfect kingdom to be established on earth again. He came to restore creation. And he invites us to be a part of his grand plan of redemption, of restoration, of renewing all things that are in himself. To become a Christian is to place yourself in himself. It's to say, I'm no longer going to be the Lord and master of my own life. I'm not going to live separate from God. I will submit and surrender myself into his gracious hand. I will be found in him because that's the only place where life is. This is how God is renewing all things. 
There's a wonderful poem that I came across a few years ago. It's called The Work of Christmas by a guy called Howard Thurman. And it just resonates with me every season. Uh, It goes like this. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and the princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among others, to make music in the heart. Those words sound like anything to you? It sounds like Jesus in the temple unrolling the scroll, doesn't it? And saying those words of Isaiah, the spirit, the sovereign Lord is upon me. And he, he went, didn't it sound like that poem? All of these things, you're know, binding up brokenhearted, feeding the hungry and sight to the blind, all these wonderful things. And he rolled up the scroll and said, look, it's been fulfilled today, here, now. This is the work of the kingdom. This is creation being restored the work of Christmas. It's not done yet. Christmas only began on Christmas Day. I want to point that out to you. I don't know, don't know what anyone else tells you. It's just begun. We're just getting going. And it's the work you can only hope to accomplish if you're full of the Holy Spirit. You know, just over this last week in our Moravian daily texts, which we're encouraging everybody in the church to be reading and taking part in so that we are formed together Don't just be formed as random hermits in your own homes. Be formed together. Um, Read the Moravian daily text. We've been looking at the life of of Stephen. Stephen, who was appointed by the apostles, he administered food to the hungry. But the Bible tells us he did signs and wonders in the power of the Spirit as well. He preached the gospel powerfully. He looked like Jesus. And we've seen his life, his ministry, his martyrdom. And how he did all of these things. But he did them because he was full of wisdom. Yes, the wisdom of God. He was full of the Spirit. It's what we heard about, isn't it? Do you want to be full of the Spirit? I know I do. And he preached just like that. Convicting all those who heard him of the horrible rupture of sin. And of the desperate need of the Savior Jesus. Christians long for, love the Holy Spirit. Would you make that a mark of the year ahead? We need the Spirit just as we need Jesus. You know, this Christmas time, I came across another poem by a a gentleman named R.S. Thomas. He was a Welsh Anglican priest, of all things. Um, But he wrote this poem called The Coming. And it begins off with God held in his hand a small globe. It's the earth, but but maybe you could imagine one of those little Christmas snow globes. Do you know the thing? So you tip them up and... Yeah, most of you looking blankly at me, right? Snow globes all around next Christmas. But you can imagine it. Just think about this. And I'm going to read the poem to you. And God held in his hand a small globe. Look, he said. The sun looked far off. As though through water he saw a scorched land of fierce color. The light burned there. Crusted buildings cast their shadows. A bright serpent. A river uncoiled itself, radiant with slime. On a bare hill, a bare tree saddened the sky. Many people held out their thin arms to it, as though waiting for a vanished April to return to its crossed boughs. The sun watched them. Let me go there, he said. 
It paints this picture of a ruined world. And when we talk of a creation restored, we recognize it needs restoration because it has been, is ruined. And the sun sees the globe held tenderly in the Father's hand, although it has no beauty because of sin. And he says, let me go there. Let me go there. Church, would you stand together? This is the words of a Savior, Jesus, to you and to me. Let me go there, he says. Oh, what a wonder that Jesus would wish to come to such a barren and broken world, to such broken and burned people. Don't fool yourself. We were broken, burned by sin, so that it seemed there was nothing left. So it seemed like we were returning to dust, to ash, though that there was no life. And yet Jesus said, let me go there. Let me go to them. Let me be with them to seek and to save us, he said. He comes to make us new. He comes to make all things new. We recognize that this is, this is the entry point, isn't it, into the new life, the promised hope of creation. You're welcome uh, to be seated if you'd like to. We, we recognize that this, this is how it all begins, that when we place our life in his hands, he breathes new life into us. This, this is how it works. This is nothing you summon up of yourself. This is nothing of your own doing. This is the work of God. And if you've not yet placed your life in the hands of Jesus, I would urge you, do so today. If you're watching online right now, request prayer. Some of my friends, they're right there right now. And they would love to pray with you so that you might know the very breath of God in your life. That you might be made new. Jesus is coming again for those who are his. Is anyone here his? Does anybody here belong to Jesus today? Anybody there? Jesus is coming again for those who are his. He promised to come back one day. And he said, when I return again, everyone will know I am here. It'll be like a huge flash of lightning that fills the sky. Can you imagine it? So vivid, so powerful, so dynamic. God come again to earth. When Jesus returns, he will restore the earth. He will set it free from its curse. All things will be made new. He will destroy once and for all. All evil, all sin, all rebellion. There will be no more sin, no more sickness, no more pain, no more death. I'm excited about these things. Uh, come on, you know, if this year teaches us anything, it teaches us that in spite of the ingenuity and the wonder of mankind, we cannot restore the earth from its curse. Not a one of us can restore ourselves from the curse of our own sin, but Jesus can do all these things, amen? And he's done these things in us. He will do these things for all of creation. Every Christian will be resurrected, restored. We will be like Jesus. And we will live forever with him. God showed one of Jesus' disciples, a man named John, what this would be like. He saw it in kind of a, a dream, a waking dream, a vision. that he heard things. And John faithfully wrote down all that God showed to him. He wrote, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth were gone and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city coming down from God out of heaven. It looked like a bride, beautifully dressed and ready for her husband. And I saw a river with the water of life as clear, clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of Jesus. 
It flowed down the center of the main street and the holy city. On each side of the river grew a tree and, and both were the tree of life. On them was enough fruit to heal all the nations of the world. No longer will there be a curse upon every, anything. For the throne of God and of Jesus will be there. And his disciples will be there worshiping him. And they will see his face. And they will be known and marked as his own. There will be no more night there. No need for lamps or sun. For God himself will shine on them. And together they will rule over everything forever and ever. And then John, he heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is again among the humans. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sadness or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And Jesus, sitting on the throne, said, Watch, I am making everything new. Everything has happened as planned. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. Everyone who overcomes the world, those who believe in me and allow me to conquer sin and selfishness for them, will inherit all these blessings. I will be their God and they will be my children. But everyone who chose to rebel and never trust in God's gracious sacrifice was sent away from God's good presence into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And Jesus said, watch as you wait for me, because I am coming back soon. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite the team to come back to lead us, because we're going to share communion now. After we are led then in worship, we're going to spend a little bit of time thinking how we can be a part of God's story of the restoration of creation. But as we've said, look, it all begins with Jesus. It all begins with the reality that he gave himself. His body was broken so that you might be healed. His blood was shed that you might be washed clean. And as the words there we heard, they're from the book of Revelation. John heard them from the very throne of God. He said, you must be in Jesus. These are the people God is coming again for. If you're not in Christ, please, I urge you, be in Christ. He is coming again. There is a judgment to come. He will receive his own. Are you Christ's? And if you are, as we're led in worship now, I would encourage you, take the bread or the, the wafer as we have it here in the building. And why don't you just give thanks to God that you are in him? You know, we heard there, didn't we, about the tree of life. Its fruit is healing for the nations. And here is healing the bread we know that it is his brokenness that has brought us wholeness that it is by his wounds that we are healed so why don't you offer your own prayers to God and take and eat as we're being led in worship I'm going to let you take and eat as you see fit because I would love for you to be praying to God and thanking him in your own words even as we're led in song
Thank you. Church, that's exactly what we're going to do right now. I hope we will. Each and every one of us. We're going to lay our lives down again. Lay them down, as it were, on the altar. Present ourselves to God and say, Jesus, have your way. Your perfect way. Your way of restoration. New life in me. But God, through me. And just at the close of the story in Revelation there we saw, we saw all the nations living in peace and harmony, worshipping God forever. And God is doing that work even today among his disciples. We are the people of God's peace in the world. If that's true, then there's a question for us, isn't there? How then do we live in the light of this? You know, we're not called ever to work on our salvation. It's perfect. But we are called to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. You know, to understand it, yes, but to, to realize it in the things of our lives. If God created everything good and excellent, he's restoring everything that way, and we can't live at odds with his perfect plan. Everything of our lives must be surrendered to his direction, his purpose. We are to be the agents of God's reconciliation. Amen. You might want to sit for a moment. You're welcome to. We're going to just consider that before we come again to, to worship as we close. How does it happen that we are agents of reconciliation? Is this just a, you know, a, a switch that we flick? Is this an overnight thing? Is it something that we can just do once and then we can get back on with the other things of our lives? I read in a recent Christmassy kind of news, and I think we've got a picture of the fella in question, um, of a guy, a German man named Andre Ortolf. And he has added to his impressive resume of Guinness World Record titles by dressing in a Santa outfit in the fastest time. He is there somewhere. He's there he is. There is the man in question. Look very festive. Did you know there was a Guinness World Record for dressing in a Santa outfit in the fastest time? Um, well, there is. He managed to slip into his scarlet suit in 30.94 seconds. There's the time you want to break, if any of you are going for I can see it in your eyes. A few of you think, I could do that. Um, he did it on the 5th of September, actually in 2019. So, you know, you know, it's going a bit old, this record now. You could do this. But he managed the white gloves, the wellies, the belt, and, of course, the, the Santa beard. Um, what makes this stand out, perhaps, from the rest is that this man, Andre, um, he has the pursuit to have the most world record titles ever. Some of his previous titles include the most Marmite eaten in one minute. Anybody want that record? You're not Marmite people, most of you are, I can see. Uh, the most jelly eaten with chopsticks in one minute. Anybody want that record? Tricky. Uh, the most yogurt eaten in a minute. The most envelopes torn in half in 30 seconds. That is a record. It is real. Uh, my favorite, the most cucumbers sliced from a person's mouth with a sword. Uh, yeah? How do, you, how do you know when to stop? I hope you don't stop when it's something bad happens. I don't know. Um, the fastest time to arrange a chess set for a team of two. Uh, these are all his records and about 10 others. But I quite enjoy that A lot of his records, they seem to revolve around getting things done really, really quickly. Does anybody else like to get things done really, really quickly? Yeah? 
Santa brought to our house a certain present for a certain young lady, uh, but Santa, bless him, did not assemble it. And, um, and so there were, were Santa's little helpers, a.k.a. mum and dad, um, helping out Santa with some of the... Assemb- three and a half hours. Three and a half hours. Come on, Santa, step up. Um, things don't come so quickly, do they, um, as you might think. Look, that guy, a bit strange, strangely impressive. I suspect quite a lot of us are a little bit like Andre Ortolf. Everything has to be done quickly. We want everything yesterday, or we give up and we disengage if it doesn't happen on our schedule, in our time scales. We grow disenfranchised. Do you get a bit like me? You get frustrated? Uh, and then maybe frustration tends towards anger. That's kind of my besetting sin. How do you think God is renewing all things? Are you impatient with God? Go and be honest. You know, God is patient. He's not slow as some count slowness. The scriptures teach us this. He's patient. He's wanting all to come to repentance, but he has a plan and a purpose. He's got a means of doing these things. We, however, hmm, do we get disengaged with the work of Christmas? The things of Jesus inaugurating his kingdom in the world. I think too many of us imagine that God's work is going to be a little bit like an episode of DIY SOS. You know the show? And kind of somehow within one hour of primetime telly, something horrendous is going to be turned into something beautiful. Did you imagine what the, that was what the Christian life would look like? You, know, you got into this and everything seemed quite sunny for a while. And you thought, hey, we're going to be done by a week on Friday. This is going so well, Jesus. And then you ran into a brick wall, didn't you? Or some sort of mud patch in your Christian walk. Or, 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 or some opposition came against you and it seemed like you were pushing into a headwind of some sort. You know, we think that God's going to swoop in with his merry crew and over the space of that hour or so fix everything. Too many Christians, we want it all done for us. Quickly. So that we can get on with what we want to do with. We can get on with living our lives that really aren't that different to those who are around us in our world. Lives that aren't that different to those who don't have Jesus, who don't have his spirit. Truth is, many of us don't really think about doing the work of Christmas until Pastor Greg reads that poem again next year. We don't think about being full of the spirit with lives like Stephen, but we can. And I'm going to say... We must. This is how the kingdom comes. God is not going to swoop in to the Wirral, bring about the restoration of all things, because he already has a plan in place. It's his church, full of his spirit, renewing all things. This is what it is to wait for his coming again. It is to eagerly anticipate. It is to invest every bit of that breath in your lungs into the coming of the king. Just to conclude today, I wanted to share very briefly. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. We don't have time to read it. You can find it in 2 Kings 4 and from verses 8 through to 37. There's a very short story before that about the widow with the oil. I think we know that story quite well, don't we? But I quite like this story that follows. It's of Elisha again and a woman in a place called Shunem. 
And Elisha is passing by. He's the man of God. And, and this lady, she's quite wealthy, and she says to her husband, I don't want him to pass by. I want him to stay. I want to host the man of God, the presence of God. And so they build a room on the roof because uh, they had flat-roofed houses in those days. And so they built something permanent. It was costly. They invested in, in having him be with them whenever he was passing by. And so Elisha asks her, what do you want? But she can't really think of anything. She's quite wealthy. She has a husband. She lives amongst her, her kinfolk. You know, she's pretty secure. He says, I can speak to the king. I can speak to the commander of the army. I can make you secure. And she says, well, actually, we are secure. But actually, then, Elisha says, well, here's how God works. He does more than you ask for or more than you can imagine. I notice you don't have a child, so you're going to have a son this time next year. And she says, how can that be? But it is. And the son comes. Joy comes into her home in that way. But the story continues. And it, this is what it makes me think a little bit about the brokenness of creation, the restoration. Because what once was beautiful becomes tragic. We're in this moment, this kind of random, horrific moment. The son, well, he has a headache, nothing more. But then in the field with his father, he drops down dead and seems to be gone in a moment. And the dad's there and gets a servant, and they take him back to the mum in the home. And she weeps over him and holds him, and she won't let him go. And so she thinks to herself, let's put him in the man of God's room. But better yet, let's get the man of God. And so she goes for him. She, she won't give up. People question her, query her. But she says, no, there can be restoration. There can be hope. Though my heart is broken and in agony, I believe that what was created perfect, though it is fallen into decay and despair, can be remade again. And she says, I'm going to give everything I've got for that promise, for that possibility. And she goes to the man of God, and she won't give up till she gets him to come. She won't settle for second best. She won't settle for the appearance of the presence of the man of God. She won't settle for church. She wants the kingdom. And so she gets the man of God to come, and he comes. And there, in the crazy, unique, strange, and sometimes troubling ways of the coming of the kingdom, he imparts the life of God into this child and he sneezes seven times there's something in the book of revelation about the seven spirits of god i don't know whether something's going on there but he sneezes this kid he sneezes seven and he's alive and he's placed back into his mother's arms and it's beautiful oh and you are miserable <laughs> because it's beautiful and it paints for me the picture of everything. There's everything in this story. But right in the middle of this story, there's a woman who got it. She got it. She knew that for those who want to see the kingdom of God come in all its fullness, they make room for God. They do the costly work of making actual room, not piggybacking on someone else's room or a past experience of God. They make the room today. They host God well. They want to partner with God. They don't want to spectate from the sidelines. It's to those people that God comes with the joy of what you couldn't even ask for or imagine. You know, we think we have neat, well-ordered lives, but God has more. 
He has the, 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 the randomness of the kind of Christmases that we all kind of enjoy, don't we? You know, we haven't celebrated them this year, but those Christmases where there's random people running around your living room and you're not quite sure, am I related to these people? I don't know. But it's just beautiful and, and a food being passed around and the, you know, not being enough sprouts or, or maybe you're quite glad that all the sprouts are gone and it's just a little bit kind of chaotic and random and crazy and the, the children tearing open gifts that aren't even theirs, but they're tearing them open because they're excited and all of these things that perhaps we long for even more. Do you know what? That's what the kingdom looks like. It's messy and you're too tidy. We're too tidy. We need the mess of his kingdom. It's to those people who let the mess come that God brings new life. You know, I think I know why some of us, we don't really engage with the breaking in of God's kingdom. We suspect, and maybe we've experienced, that there'll be some heartache along the way. And so we try and preserve ourselves from the pain. We try and shelter our hearts from the, those birth pains of creation groaning with the newness of life that is to come. But when you protect your heart, you kill it. It grows cold and stony and it'll be dead soon enough. Too many of us, we're shirking the pain, we're shirking the challenge of hope. But God says, come with me. I'm going to be born in the usual fashion. It's not going to be pretty. This is how I come into the world. He says, come with me. I'm going to be lifted up on a cross to die on a barren, broken tree because your world is barren and broken. It ain't pretty, but this is how I come into the world. This is how the kingdom comes. This is how we come with him. But if we didn't shirk the challenge, if we trusted the hope, we know that hope in God cannot disappoint, well then, we could give anything. We could dare anything if we trusted him truly. We would lay the dead hopes and dreams on the bed of Elisha because we would know that that's not the end. We would give them to God boldly. And we would go to the Spirit of God. We would chase after the Spirit of God. Though we be weak, though we be weary, we would say nothing is going to stop me from bringing the presence of God into what was dead. It will come again. There will be new life. And we wouldn't accept a second-hand mediated experience of God. We simply would not leave God until He has breathed again. We would persevere till we see the fullness of God's kingdom come, the power of his resurrection. Are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing, church? Are you willing? Are you willing? We're going to be led in worship again. Would you stand with me at home? Don't sit down. Stand. But come on right now. Stop looking at me and start looking to the Spirit. Come on. If there are things of deadness and death in your life, in your world, come on. Would you go and put them in your mind, in your heart? Go put them on the bed of Elisha. Could you do that? Would you put the brokenness and the death of this world on the bed of Elisha? Would you put uh, the way in which your loved ones and your friends and your family, they're lost and indeed dead in their sin, go put them on the bed of Elisha? Would you do that? And then let's come and let's chase after the Spirit of God. And let's not accept second best. He is making all things new. Are you willing to give everything you have for this cause? Are you willing to enter deeply, even though it hurt bitterly, 
yet it be full of glory. Jesus is coming. Come on, church. Can we pray together? Can we pray together? Can we lift our hands to our Savior? Can we pray and say, breathe on us again, breath of God. Breathe new life into what is now dead. Bring it to life again. Come on, you can pray, church. You can do this at home. Pray. Would you do that? Come on, just bring these things to God and pray and seek. And we're going to be led in, in worship and then we're going to go, but go in the spirit and the fullness of God. This is not something that you can have secondhand. This is not, the, you can't spectate upon the kingdom of God. We say, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Or Once again, it's been such a delight to be able to share together as a church this morning. And uh, we know uh, that taking what God has been doing in our lives, we can go and have wonderful weeks with him. Just to um, invite you um, to journey together with one another as we go through the week. We as a church, we don't just gather, but we get going into what God has for us together. And we have these things called transform communities. We would love to help you to connect with other like-minded people who are exploring God's goodness and grace and seeing how they can be a part of his transforming work in the world. So again, hit us up, get in touch. We'd love to help you to connect. Anything that you need, any prayer requests, do let us know. And we'll love to see you again this time next week. God bless you and bye for now.